welcome to Feminist Question Time, brought to you by Women's Declaration International, the leading global organisation defending women's sex-based rights against the threats posed by gender identity ideology. There's more information on our website, womensdeclaration.com, where you'll find our Declaration on Women's Sex-Based Rights, which has been signed by 37,003 people from 160 countries and is supported by 517 organisations. We have volunteer activists, including country contacts from every continent, and we engaged in defending women's rights. Do join us. You can help us and help promote the declaration, which is the um, aim of Women's Declaration International by donating. We'll put some links up about donating or volunteering, becoming an activist um, with us. And there's also a member category, so you can become a member. So I'm really pleased to say that today we have Daniela Dana from Italy, and she's going to talk about the gender package, how the Italian gay and lesbian movement has ended. We also have Branka Petrov from Serbia, who's going to talk about the ontology of gender. And then we have Jade Whitehouse. And these final two are pre-records, so they're recorded from the recent Australia and New Zealand webinars. Um, she's going to give news from the Women's Rights Network Australia in Sydney. And then Tanya Sturt from New Zealand, Standing for Women New Zealand. We're going to go to our first speaker now, Daniela Dana from Italy. She's got a PhD in sociology and social research. She's currently a researcher at the University of Salento, inspired by world systems analysis. Uh, Daniela is an author, among other scientific contributions, of two English books, Contract Children Questioning Surrogacy by Ibidem, or published by Ibidem, 2015, and Procreation and Population in Historical Social Science, Anthem Press, 2021. And um, she is going to talk about, um, or Daniela Dana is going to talk about the gender package, how the Italian lesbian and gay movement has ended. So thank you so much, Daniela, for coming and over to you. My presentation uh, is uh, from uh, somebody who's been a part of gay and lesbian movement uh, I, um, since the 90s, the early 90s. Uh, and then this has morphed into something else. Uh, the terminology LGBT came to Italy with the World Pride uh, um, that was organized by ILGA uh, in uh, 2000 in Rome. There was a, a huge uh, demonstration and then there was the, uh, the Congress of the ILGA um, uh, organization. Uh, and from that moment on, uh, um, the gay and lesbian movement started going downwards and adopted the gender package of which I will be speaking uh, in a moment. Uh, I wanted uh, first to, um, to say something more, more general. Um, the case of Italy is actually um, just one of the many uh, countries where this blueprint of what I call the gender package has uh, been pushed uh, apparently from below, my infect, but in fact from above. As uh, Joe Brew has described, it is a, a new operating system for patriarchy with a cancellation of sex, female erasure, that is not stemming from the acknowledgement 
of transsexual or, or transgender people, but it is much broader in scope. It is the idea that man, thanks to his technology, can master nature, even his own nature, and morph it into what fits his mind. It's the uh, division between res cogitans and res extensa that Cartesio did back in the 17th century, the thinking substance, the mind, and uh, the thing that is occupying space, uh, matter, body, which must be um, mastered by the mind. Um, according to Claudia von Berloff, uh, the uh, German uh, ecofeminist, uh, it's an alchemic project. This is also, she has written extensively about this, about how um, patriarchy has uh, always had this uh, goal of, uh, of mastering nature, of uh, substituting nature with something uh, presumably better, uh, which is uh, technology, and uh, becoming uh, what uh, uh, human beings uh, want to be by design, men want to be by design. And this fits also with the, what Mary Daly has, uh, has written uh, in her analysis. And nowadays uh, we can call it a transhumanism. This is the, the label that most uh, fits uh, this kind of thought that has been, uh, that can be uh, seen back in the centuries. Uh, Martin Rothblatt, for example, uh, who is a CIO in uh, pharmaceutical industries and a transsexual from uh, uh, men to uh, his idea of women, a woman, uh, says that we need uh, uh, this freedom of uh, getting into whatever shape we want, the freedom of form, she calls, or he. Um, and the cultural industry is uh, contributing to this. Um, we have had this deluge of postmodernism in Italy as well, starting from the 90s, mid-90s. We have had all the translations of Judith Butler's work, for example, and her skeptical idealism. Also, I'm referring to idealism in the philosophical sense of this um, distinction between uh, the, the life of the mind, the ideas, and the material. And uh, before uh, uh, the, um, starting the session, we were speaking about Marxism. Of course, it's materialism is what Marx has, uh, um, is a philosophical tradition opposing the idealism that Marx has connected himself to. Uh, so I, as I am, I mean, I'm a sociologist and I'm not a postmodernist. I stick to what I call a, a materialistic analysis and a scientific method. So scientific methodology, I don't want to speak extensively about this. I'll speak more about Italy, but I want to give a framework of what my analysis is or of what is happening. So I'm inspired by an anthropologist, Marvin Harris, who wrote in uh, 1979, Cultural Materialism. Again, we are uh, seeing this uh, contraposition to idealism. And he has uh, differentiated the two fields for the social science, the study of the culture and the interpretation of social facts, which is subjective. This is when uh, people in Italy say, oh, but uh, surrogacy is a gift. Uh, the woman who's uh, making a child and then uh, um, as a gift to somebody else, uh, 
they accept this gift uh, and uh, the money is only um, for her expenses. So this is a very subjective view. And if you study the behavior and the physical occurrences, and then we go to the objective side, of course, there are methodolog methodological problems in as much as we don't, are not, uh, uh, we don't have a, a, a complete overview of what is happening. So it's always an attempt. Science is not fixed. Science, science is a method to get to know the world, but it exists. If we did not have uh, knowledge of the world, then we won't be able to survive from day to day. This is also something that we know how, what is uh, what we need to eat, uh, what is bad for us and everything. So the objective side is, uh, is what uh, human beings can strive to. Of course, we are never sure whether it's ob objective uh, in reality, but uh, this is an endeavor. And then we look at the behavior and physical occurrences, the separation of mother and child and the, uh, the passage of money. And we call it uh, uh, buying and selling. And um, then I put into, um, in the last part, uh, we have uh, the terminology of Marvin Harris, uh, is emic and etic, uh, that comes from phonemic and phonetic. So the what the speaker uh, is putting as a particular um, meaning into the phrases that the speaker is, uh, is uttering. And phonetic, which is how the language is constructed. What are the, the uh, sounds that we need to make uh, to form words that have meaning in the different languages. Um, and then uh, we made uh, um, against surrogacy, uh, um, when was it, in um, 2018, 2017, 18, uh, there was a group of uh, Italian academic only women that uh, uh, we also made a conference and uh, in, from the conference we wrote a book called Mater Iuris, that was also the name of the group. Uh, the book came out in 2020. We took a stand uh, against uh, surrogacy and against uh, also other instances of violence against women. I proposed to the group, it wasn't really an elaboration of the group, it was my personal elaboration of uh, speaking about ethics based on relationships. So that uh, the woman who, even in the countries where there are laws that allow this uh, uh, selling of, uh, of newborns, the relationship is what the mother has. And uh, if she changes her mind, she must be able to change her mind. Plus, uh, we don't uh, uh, find it ethic to uh, buy and sell human beings. I wanted to mention also Martha Feynman as, as, as an inspiration uh, who wrote uh, The Neuter Mother, the sexual, oh, there's a typo, family and other 20th century tragedies was also uh, elaborating on the idea that uh, uh, the sexual family, sorry, the sexual family based on the sexual act uh, is something that uh, should be substituted by the uh, dyad of mother and child, which is uh, um, the uh, for her, and she writes a whole book to explain this, uh, is the um, essential family. Also, um, Tazi Breve in Austria has elaborated on this idea, coming back to matriarchal uh, uh, reasoning. So a couple of examples of uh, ethics based on relationships. Um, matter sempre certa est. 
is a Latin, it means uh, the mother is always certain, and it is a legal principle that uh, has been uh, um, diffused in all countries before uh, the laws were allowing for the selling of commissioned newborns, uh, also known as uh, surrogacy. Mater semper certa est means that uh, you give the legal title of mother to the woman who has uh, given birth. And pater is quem nuptiae demonstrant. Uh, the father is uh, demonstrated by the marriage because you can, the father can never be sure. So this is what uh, in ancient Rome, the legal framework was, was and also I propose, uh, based on relationships, uh, to substitute uh, the, the latter with the pater est quem mater demonstrat. So the mother should have the legal right to indicate the other parent. Uh, that can be a woman, that can be uh, a man who's not uh, biologically the father of the child, or in most cases, uh, the, uh, the companion of the woman, who uh, might have married him, as in uh, about 50% uh, um, of the cases of uh, newborns uh, uh, in Italy and in other Western countries now. So this is the framework. Um, so the gender package promoted not by the gay and lesbian movement, of which I was part by LGBT+, plus, uh, which is now, which is in uh, most of the um, documents, uh, the political documents that are uh, elaborated in the different cities that are hosting pride marches, they get, uh, if not the whole list, uh, at least uh, some of them, of these uh, items that I will show and comment. Uh, um, and uh, uh, they never say anything in favor of uh, uh, declining these possibilities. No? If they, uh, so what I'm saying is that uh, the pride documents uh, in the Italian cities, sometimes they don't mention uh, these items, uh, not all of them, but when they, mm, but they never say something uh, uh, against. So most of the um, uh, it's not only LGBT uh, plus movement, of course, that is uh, promoting these items, uh, which I call the gender package, uh, I call it the gender package because uh, it is uh, um, um, spearheaded by this uh, queer or LGBT plus movement, um, starting from uh, uh, gender studies, uh, the idealistic philosophy uh, <clears throat> of which uh, Judith Butler is prominent uh, today, and this is uh, uh, my, it's a proposal, actually. This is, uh, I have not written extensively um, under the label gender package. It's controversial. Uh, in Italy, I, I, I debated with, um, with a fellow feminist, uh, Cecilia Lania, who met me online. And she's, uh, she's saying, I call it uh, the queer uh, positions, because uh, we have uh, um, a strong opposition by the right wing and the church in Italy, the Catholic Church, against what they call uh, theoria gender, so gender theory. And uh, Cecilia uh, doesn't want to be um, confused with this position. 
since this is an international audience, I think uh, we can use it gender because this is the the, the word that has been uh, re um, uh, the, who, which meaning has been uh, rewritten by Judith Butler and the queer movement and now LGBT plus movement. But it's not only something that comes from uh, uh, from a movement, and I must. Uh, also add that most of the people who come to Pride marches, they have no idea. They uh, do not uh, uh, really um, fight for all of these items. Uh, maybe they are, there's been uh, a long uh, fight about surrogacy and the LGBT movement is very much in favor, but uh, the other items are not so very, so debated in the movement itself. So, uh, um, I don't want to use the queer um, as, an, as a label because uh, many people, many young people identify as queer and they do not stand for these items. It's just a personal identity. They, uh, they don't want to be called lesbians if they're women because this is a bad word, you know, uh, even in Italy today. So I prefer the LGBT plus also because nobody can really identify as LGBT plus. You're either a lesbian or a gay or a bisexual or transsexual or, uh, or queer, no? which is in a contraposition to all the, the other labels. <clears throat> uh, the universities, uh, um, the uh, cultural industry, the Democratic Party that is now led since uh, a few months by Eli Schlein. Um, who uh, is a strong supporter of all, all of this. And then uh, all uh, the movements at uh, the radical left, like squatters, anarchists, uh, that are very much motivating, and they are those engaged in uh, um, attempts to silence us, uh, radical feminists, lesbians, uh, feminists who don't want to, um, to accept all these items. <clears throat> So uh, most relevant to uh, women's declaration is the self-ID, what they call. Uh, so men can legally be women if they declare so. And I put into uh, parentheses uh, and bold uh, um, letters what they call it. So uh, self-ID is a, is a positive uh, um, concept. And then they call uh, GPA, gestation for others, uh, in the Italian um, shortening, uh, when children are commissioned and bought and sold. We, we can call it surrogacy, but now I created another acronym in Italian. Uh, instead of a GPA, I call about a C. Um, um, so CNC, the commission of uh, um, the, the the selling of commission children. GPA, of course, is very neutral. It's um, they don't even use uh, uh, gravidanza, which is the pregnancy, which has some flesh and bone in it. They use a gestazione, which is a medical term, uh, and they want to introduce this into law. Renouncing sexual autonomy should be a job called sex work is a buzzword that has been introduced since many years in Italy from the academy. I also was uh, uh, in, uh, in this, um, in this um, framework. 
and uh, I have also written in Italian about this period that, um, that where I was uh, uh, not really a strong supporter, but I was accepting the idea that you can call prostitution sex work and uh, it might be for some people a legitimate job. Uh, then we get to the trans minors, they call them. There's no uh, Daniela, Daniela, yes. um, just because of being clear in English that you you do not continue to believe that sex work is a job. No, I don't. No, no, it's just because I've written about how I got, uh, I started as a radical feminism yeah. in my PhD that was on prostitution policies. Then I was caught up by colleagues and uh, socialized as a, uh, to, to believe that this could be a choice. Then I, I read a Rachel Moran. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. We were talking yeah, about When it came out in, Ita yeah. in Italian. And uh, then I, I was thinking uh, that, that I was a fool and I wrote about that too, that I, how fool I was. Brilliant, thanks. Uh, so this is public uh, in Italy. Um, so the trans minors is when minors are subject to medical experiments with uh, drugs that are used off-label to fix their so-called gender dysphoria. And I also engaged in what is gender dysphoria. I made a, um, an article for a scientific journal that is a, it's called About Gender. And uh, then I, I, am, I learned that uh, activists and also colleagues wanted to take it back, they wanted the journal to, to take it back. But uh, the uh, editors stood... Uh, uh, for it, uh, and um, and this is a uh, an article um, showing that gender dysphoria doesn't make sense really. Uh, its definition in the uh, um, diagnostic manual for uh, mental conditions uh, it doesn't make sense. And then uh, uh, the final uh, nail in the coffin of the gay and lesbian movement: homosexuality is the same gender attraction. This is something, as I told before, not many people are really aware of. It's not in the private documents even, but it is in uh, IAGA uh, uh, principles, the Yogyakarta principles. Uh, they use this uh, horrible um, abbreviation uh, SOGI, the uh, sex orientation and the gender identity to clump together questions about homosexuality that in fact should not exist anymore because if it's same gender attraction has nothing to do with what your material sex is. So we go back to Marvin Harris and the analysis of, uh, of a material reality. So um, this is uh, the situation uh, for those uh, goals of the LGBT plus academy plus uh, uh, the um, Democratic Party, uh, left-leaning parties, which are also divided because in the Democratic Party there are uh, Catholics uh, that are really at odds with all these uh, new uh, patriarchal uh, gender contract. Um, but uh, the leadership is now pushing for these things. So the self-ID has been recognized by tribunals, and uh, we don't have a legal system that is based on uh, precedence, but still it means that you have a good, if you have a good lawyer, you can get your uh, self-ID. Uh, and this is uh, against uh, the sex change law that was introduced in 1982, uh, where uh, you need uh, um, to to be at least enlisted, approved for a sex change, that nobody's taking you, dragging you from 
from your house uh, to have a sex change uh, in, a, in by the surgeon, but uh, uh, you have uh, lived the two years. It's it's a uh, it, it puts a lot of hurdles. And uh, now it's been um, interpreted in uh, in a way of recognizing self ID. That uh, would be introduced in law by the law proposal by Alessandro Zan, who's a gay member of the Democratic Party. The law was against the homo by transphobia. You can notice that lesbians are nowhere to be seen. And there was also a provision uh, uh, against discrimination against women, but also no uh, misogyny is, was mentioned. And gender discrimination with all the, the package that is speaking, this new speak of gender instead of sex. But he was defeated in 2021 when uh, uh, the um, Draghi, go Draghi government, uh, um, sustained by all the parties but for Meloni, uh, the uh, Brothers of Italy, um, was uh, voted uh, with a secret vote. So members of the uh, Democratic Party were against it. They could uh, vote against it without uh, um, going against the party discipline. And uh, there was uh, in Parliament there was uh, uh, an attempt to um, to uh, approve this law against the homo by transphobia, leaving aside self ID because many feminists, uh, many women were um, expressing themselves publicly against it. But Zan was adamant not to make any compromise. So I'm saying this because this shows also how this uh, package is uh, is is coming from uh, from English speaking countries, from the center of the world system, the U.S., uh, from uh, the Biden administration, uh, and um, and it's uh, it's really it must be um, approved in full in order to change the social reality. But it was defeated. Uh, the Democratic Party city government of Milano, Milan, um, approved a register for the recognition of the gender of choice. This is also against the law. This is a, an administrative act that cannot go against uh, uh, national laws, uh, but uh, they, they did it as a virtue signaling, as, as uh, um, showing where the progress is, we, we must uh, ease. We must go where um, all the other countries are going. Uh, so they approved this. Uh, it was promoted in particular by a trans uh, member of uh, the city administration, but it, it's not implemented yet. I don't think they can legally implement it, especially not uh, uh, with uh, a, a right-wing government as we have uh, nationally now. The uh, GPA, uh, the gestation for others. We have a question about the birth certificates. And this is the goal of Rainbow Families Association, of which I was part when it started in 2005, because I did some research on lesbian mothers, not because I'm a parent, I'm not. But uh, they invited me to join the association, and I, out of solidarity, I did it. And then uh, they kicked me out because I was against uh, surrogacy. Uh, so now Rainbow Families Association wants uh, the 
legal um, recognition of uh, birth certificates issued abroad that don't mention the mother. This is very much against the principle that I mentioned before, mater semper certa est. Even in adoption cases, now uh, there is a record of who the mother is. It might not be on the public um, certificate that is given to the adopting parents, but uh, the, the, you must, the, the public must keep trace of who the mother is, and the mother must express her will to relinquish the, the child. It's not possible to, uh, to have birth certificates not mentioning the mothers. But some mayors, left-wing mayors, have uh, um, tried to recognize them, and there are legal cases now. Uh, it's, it's mixed. You can get uh, judges that are in favor and judges that are not. So it's an ongoing battle. But the government is proposing to prosecute surrogacy, which is prosecuted now um, in the article of the law about artificial reproduction that is mentioned in surrogacy is not very clear. Um, the other part is interpreting it as saying that uh, um, even the parents can be prosecuted I personally and others think that uh, it's only its organization, the advertisement, publicity that you can make for that, that uh, is prosecuted. Uh, so this proposal by the Meloni government has been approved by one chamber, and now it's back to the other chamber. Uh, it wants to make this article more sharp in prosecuting what happens abroad, but it's not prosecuted now because there are Italian law lawyers that, um, that are part of the LGBT movement that are organizing surrogacy for, for couples that is happening abroad, but they are organizing it from the uh, law studios in Italy and they are not persecuted, for example. So, so it's all a, it's a kind of, a, uh, of puppet show, you know, and nothing happens really in reality. So what they call sex work, the, the, I, I use uh, this expression because this is the legal goal of uh, LGBT, uh, of the gender package assumed by the LGBT and also by non una di meno, for example, ni una menos, um, it's the Italian uh, translation of a movement that is uh, sort of inspired by what happened a few years ago in Latin America, but they, they, they call themselves transfeminists. So they are uh, for a gender package in all its entity. And they've taken at heart this uh, part about legalizing what they call sex work. But since uh, 1958, when the brothels were closed in Italy, we still have the same law, uh, which is an abolitionist law. It's interpreter, interpreted in a way that is not so... Um, it could be more uh, used... Uh, more against uh, traffickers within Italian territories, and it's never this never happens. The debate has uh, introduced this term, uh, lavoro sessuale, or even sex work in English. Uh, it sounds better when it's something that it sounds more progressive when it's in English. And uh, um, the debate uh, is mostly about how to separate what is a trafficking and what is a chosen prostitution. And also they try to make sex work legal through the idea that uh, uh, disabled people 
disabled men need sexual assistance. So there are some sexological associations who are offering this diploma for something that is not legal, of course. You cannot be a sexual assistant, but there are people who have been to the courses, they've learned how to be a sexual assistant, and they've got their diplomas and they're pushing for this figure to be legally recognized. Last item is uh, trans minors. Uh, this is also something that doesn't exist. I put it as, a, as the, the buzzword that is uh, used. Uh, and actually, even in Italy, there's a growing number of minors since uh, about a decade. And now they're about 100 a year. They are treated in few, I don't remember what it's five, six, uh, something like that half a dozen health centers in big cities. Uh, since uh, 2017, uh, um, triptorelin, which is, uh, I think it has the same principle as Lupron. Lupron is, uh, is more famous, is used abroad, but the trademark triptorelin has been uh, authorized by the medical authorities, the pharmaceutical authorities in Italy. And uh, of course, there's a huge debate about it. Uh, and I finish by mentioning that uh, uh, also in Italy, we have uh, an association of parents who are doing a wonderful job. They have a wonderful website uh, to inform. They are allied with the uh, transgender trend. They are um, writing in, uh, in first person, but the situation as, uh, as in other countries is that they, they have to be anonymous. They don't want to, um, to uh, engender, endanger uh, their relationships with their kids. Uh, and uh, there is, uh, as, uh, as in other countries, uh, attempts to silence people, uh, to uh, cancel venues. Archilesbica has been, uh, which is the National Association for Lesbians, who took a stand against surrogacy in uh, 2016, if I uh, uh, can recall correctly. They are uh, uh, stripped of, uh, of venues uh, when they want to make a public uh, talks. And now, latest news, um, both Archilesbica and uh, in the um, local branch of uh, UDI, which is used to be the women's session section of uh, the Communist Party, and now it has survived as, a, as an independent uh, feminist association. They have a women-only membership, and this means they cannot be um, in the public register for associations in the, in a, the most progressive region in Emilia-Romagna, in the place around Bologna, because they, uh, they are not open to men. So this is uh, already also in Italy, consider a discrimination. Thank you for listening. Okay, so we're going to go to our next speaker, and I'm delighted to say that our next speaker is Branka Petrov. She's from Serbia. She's um, a PhD student of philosophy, a feminist activist, and she is going to speak on the ontology of gender. And we're having a highly intellectual feminist question time today, so it's quite hard hard for us to keep up. Will you tell us what ontology is when, just for anybody, because some of us don't know what ontology is, but in your talk. But thank you so much for coming, and over to you. Ontology, in short, is the field of field in philosophy that deals with what being is, 
like what is something, how something comes to be, right? So whatever you have, if you want to know the essence of it, you're already on the field of ontology, right? If you ask about the essence of things. Um, now, uh, my my uh, my uh, presentation uh, is going to be uh, the fragments of my PhD research. And now when I say this, I'm already reminded of this movie, Midsummer, when um, <laughs> actually not movie, but when when the director Ari Aster was asked about uh, why he uh, make movie about uh, PhD students. And he said, you know, when you want to make sure that what you're saying is not important, just say it's part of your PhD research. <laughs> like this is guarantee no one cares about that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, because this is a feminist panel, I, I hope some, someone will find it, find it, find it interesting. Um, I will uh, I will uh, uh, restrict this this whole presentation to one question. My question is: What is gender? What is the essence of gender? Uh, I do not offer any solution farther than farther than that because uh, as a feminist, uh, we are especially today we are we are met a lot with this with this question and we, and we talk a lot about gender ideology and this idea that we need to smash patriarchy, smash gender ideology, destroy gender, gender should not exist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But somehow, uh, we are when we are confronted with gender, we are confronting with something uh, solid something that is, it exists. And even I find myself, when I see men cosplaying as a woman, I see, I uh, recognize him as a woman, even though I know it's ideology and I see him that way only because uh, because there is this so social pressure that, that, that uh, or social ideology that I should see women certain way and men certain way. But even though I know that, I still somehow, uh, my, my emotional state is such that I, don't see him the same way I see men who cosplays as, as a masculine man, etc. So obviously, and not only that, but if we say that gender is ideology, plain and simple ideology, uh, history, so many ideologies come and go. And this it is in nature of ideology that it is product of time. And with time, it disappears. But gender, somehow, what we see, it, it persists. It is whatever it is. It is, and it exists, and we are confronted with this material. Uh, it creates problem. It produces reality. It is our reality. So, if it is, even as an ideology, it still is. So, so what is it? This is, this is the this is the question that we need to ask. Because if we want to smash it or to destroy it, we need to know what we are destroying, right? Um. And with this, uh, if we ask this question, what what uh, what uh, gender is, we are we are on the field of ontology. We ask ontological, philosophical, ontological question. Uh, I will draw draw, draw upon uh, terminology a little bit. Terminology of Martin Heidegger, who is controversial figure in philosophy, but we are not going to deal with his controversy. Just some, of, I will just borrow some of his uh, some of his terminology. Uh, so I will start with ontology as such, with short history of ontology, and then I will come to the problem of gender. Uh, let's say first, uh, uh, in ancient times, there was the idea that there is a subject and there is an object. An object exists independent from subject. And if subject is to understand what object is, it needs to have a certain methodology with which it will finally understand what this object is that exists even, even without subject, it exists as such. And this is the ontology of Platon. This is ontology of pre-Socrates and Socrates philosophy of Aristotle in the, the whole ancient ancient time. 
Then in modern times uh, came the switch where uh, it is said uh, there is uh, this idea that uh, object exists um, independent from the subject. We cannot accept this idea anymore. The subject is constitutive to the object. Uh, this is idea that um, only only the, that only through the lenses of of subject that sees that confronts this object, this object comes to have a meaning. Without the lenses of subject, object is just just a fact, just a natural occurrence. It has no meaning, right? To some to, for something to have a meaning, for object to have a meaning, uh, it has to be confronted with with subject. So the world that exists for the subject is the world of subject and not world of the object. And only when subject confronts the object, it, it has this, 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 and this is what is in phenomenology, what is called phenomenon, right? Phenomenon is object as seen through the lenses of the subject. So not natural fact, not natural occurrence, but only in this relation of subject, subject and object. Uh, and then in 18th, 19th century, and it, it uh, prolonged in 20th and 21st century, came and became popular the idea of historicity. Historicity is the idea that not only that the subject creates the object, that object only exists for the subject, but also the idea that uh, object exists through history. So this idea that uh, development, but we don't have to define development as progressive force. Whatever we define the development, this idea that object is, exists in time, is constitutive to this object. We cannot think of object outside of time, outside of history, outside of historicity. And this historicity, this is the subject su subject's perspective because human is historical, a subject is historical being. Um, and so there was a um, philosopher, some call them uh, father, whatever that means, father of phenomenology, uh, who claimed, who wanted to radicali radicalize this idea and he said, uh, so there is this absolute historicity that is last transcendental principle uh, that all the all the validity of the world, all the all the truth of meaning of the world, of the human world, if it's if it's to be sourced, it needs to be sourced from this transcendental principle of historicity. So anything that anything that exists exists in this historicity. Uh, and in his, his words, um, he said, uh, the historicity is structure of being. So being, and this being, uh, this is the uh, transcendental, absolute, absolute transcendental, transcendental sub subjectivity. So his philosophy is philosophy of subjectivity. Uh, anything that anything that exists exists. Uh, anything if, if if we are to define anything that exists, we need to go back to this uh, transcendental principle of historicity. Uh, and, and now we are coming to what is important to us, and we are going where I'm going to draw draw from from the from um, infamous Heidegger. He came and he said, "It's not that uh, being." Is structured historically that historicity is the structure of being. Is that being is time, being is history. He put this equation there, and with this, because with Husserl we had uh, subject uh, confronted with this objective world, needed to uh, from this his, uh, from from this absolute historicity, it needed to 
construct or constitutes meaning to constitute reality. Subject constitutes this world that it projects in front of his, itself. But with Heidegger, when he puts this uh, equation between being and time, what he said is, we are not talking about, uh, about constitution because constitution implies a relation between subject and object. So you are in relation with, with this subject. Before that, before, uh, before any uh, engagement of subject in the world, there is already some structure before that. Uh, and this is, this is the, what he calls uh, design. This is a German word. There is not good translation, but it is the being here. This is the specific situation of human. Uh, and what he calls the human, the, the, the situation of human is that it is thrown into the world. So your thrownness into the world, thrownness into the world is, is already pre-structure of your understanding. So if you are to engage with this world, you can only engage as this thrown thing. And as a thrown thing, before you, before you even have any understanding, you are already thrown as, as something. You already are meaning. So it's not that you give meaning to the world, you already are meaning as such, with, with this being thrown in the world. And this now, this, this pre-structure of understanding, this is how he calls it, in this pre-structure of understanding, there is a certain, certain factors, he calls it factors, content, uh, content, uh, and I, I will name, he, he, he names, I think, more than three, but I will name the most important three factors that are uh, the content of this pre-structure of understanding. So it is labor, because as human, you are predestined to, to create. You, you cannot, even, even animals create sometimes, but human cannot live like animal. You, 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 you have this predisposition to labor, to create. So you are already, before you have any uh, engagement with the world, with objective world, you already are determined by this predisposition to work, to labor. Uh, the second one is language. Human has predisposition to for language, and this is very important for for those modern linguists of twenty and twenty first century. They who tend to reduce philosophy to just language. I I I am not on this side. I don't belong there. Analytical philosophy, um, <clears throat> and then third, which is going to be important here for me for us, is being uh, tied to body to to corporal body. And this, those, those are three most important factors of this pre-structure pre, pre, pre of, of, of design, uh, pre-structure of understanding of design. Uh, now, Heidegger, because he considered man uh, universal subject, he didn't even come to think that it's not just, it's not only that we are tied to a body, but we are also tied to two essentially different bodies, right? Male and female. And uh, Heidegger, of course, didn't think of that, and no male philosopher thought of that, but it is also. So not only we are determined by, by being corporal, but also we are determined by being corporal in two different ways. And when we act in the world, when we engage uh, in the world, we engage already determined to see the world from the perspective of, of, of being corporal in certain way, in two different ways, right? Um, now we'll go back to this uh, language as, as also also structure pre-structure of understanding, 
and uh, um, I will go to another another philosopher, Carl uh, Otto Appel. He's more contemporary. He passed away maybe five, six years ago, something like that. He was a linguist. And what he wanted to do with Heidegger philosophy uh, was that um, he tried to, because for Heidegger, for Husserl and for Heidegger and for this whole tradition, they were still in the realm of uh, transcendental subjectivity. So this design is individual, it's a subject. So uh, as a throne, it's it's individual subject in the world. So what uh, Carlo Tappel wanted to show was that um, it's not uh, individual subjectivity that is transcendental principle according to which meaning is created, but it's trans is, uh, because meaning for individual, there's no meaning. Just individual is natural fact. If you don't, don't belong to community, there's no meaning around you. For, for meaning to be created, there needs to be community that decides this meaning. And there needs to be consensus about meaning. For anything to, in the world to have meaning, there needs to be community, not just individual. Individual does not exist as, as human. So he said this transcendental principle is not transcendental subjectivity, but transcendental intersubjectivity. So what he calls ultimate transcendental principle uh, uh, that all meaning needs to be sourced from ultimately is what he calls uh, the communication community, Com community of that community, which is humanity as such, limited to academia uh, because the world is not perfect, but uh, ideally it's, it's, uh, it's uh, humanity as such. And this I find very important because I, I would agree with this with this idea of intersubjectivity being ultimate transcendental principle. But then if we apply, and we can do that because we are I'm not linguist like like Carlo Tappel, I can apply this this the same transcendental principle of intersubjectivity to this uh, being tied to a body, to corporality. Then what we have is if we have two different bodies. Uh, as the term determinant for our for our being in the world, male and female body, but as such we exist just as, as natural fact, right? But at the moment with our bodies, when we have to act in the world, when we have to have to engage with the world, this we are in the field of intersubjectivity, and this is the field of gender. So I would argue that gender, equally as sex, is ontological category. And cannot be demolished, demolished like because there, there's no biology is just natural fact, like uh, tree growing in, in my garden is natural fact. The moment humans have to interact in the world, they're in the field of intersubjectivity, and this is where gender is created. What I'm not arguing for that gender should be um, worshipped or whatever. What am I arguing here for is that. Uh, yes, there is gender ideology, but there should not be equation between gender and gender ideology, because gender is uh, ontological category, and there there happens to be this ideology, gender ideology, that fills this this category. So we fight against ideology, but that does not mean that gender should or could be destroyed. Gender gender is is matter of intersubjectivity as such, and we cannot exist other way than, than intersubjectivity. This is going to be Jade Whitehouse. Tonight I just want to give a brief, brief overview of the Women's Rights Network Australia before updating everyone 
on our activities, campaigning against two bills tabled by Sydney Independent MP Alex Greenwich. Um, this is just a little agenda, so I'll speak briefly about the conversion ban bill, but mainly about the equality bill. Um, give a bit of a summary on some points that we're really focusing on and then discuss how we're trying to get this information out to the broader public. So the, just first a bit of an overview about WNA. We are a sister organization modeled on the WRN um, organization founded by Heather Billing in the UK. We have a loose and collaborative connection with Women's Rights Network in the UK, but we're a homegrown Australian organisation. We campaign for sex-based rights in Australia. We started in April 2023, so our anniversary is the 28th of April. We now have 70 members growing rapidly. And we're very active across different states. We've had a few little wins, including a what is a woman question to Julia Gillard by certain members, which led to some trending on Twitter for a few days. And we had a very successful fair women's sport campaign at the time of the World Cup in August. But what's happening in New South Wales, Australia? Alex Greenwich. MP gave notice of the Equality Legislation Amendment LGBTIQA plus bill on the same day as eight gender critical women were presenting in the New South Wales Parliament in a session called We Can't Talk About Sex. He posted this shot to Twitter on that same day. A secretive drafting process developed this bill. Alex Greenwich called for community consultation in 2022. However, a number only a number of broad themes were open for comment. The bill was described as a comprehensive omnibus bill to address all legislative barriers to LGBTIQA plus health and well-being. Despite repeated requests for access, the text of the bill was not made available until they were tabled on the 24th of August. On that day, Alex Greenwich thanked a number of pro-trans activists and charities in his second reading speech, including the staff at Equality Australia, ACON, the Gender Centre, Intersex Human Rights Australia, PIAC, the Public Interest Advocacy Centre, and the political party, the Greens. So introduced on the 24th of August this year, the Equality Bill for short, amends 20 other acts, is a complex piece of proposed legislation that touches on complex deep issues, and if passed, will have profound impacts on society in New South Wales. Also tabled on the 24th of August was Greenwich's Conversion Practices Ban Bill, banning both sexual orientation and gender identity conversion practices. WRNA supports a ban on gay conversion, but not a bill that mentions gender identity. 
New South Wales Labor ran a targeted consultation around the same time in August to develop their own conversion practice ban bill. So the New South Wales Labor Party had promised before the 2022 election to ban LGBTQI plus conversion practices as well. But they did not promise to bring in sex self-ID. That was not an election promise. As it appears, the New South Wales Labor Party are developing their own conversion ban bill. WRNA and other aligned groups are seeking to educate the MPs of the differences between LGB and TQ+. It is clear MPs do not understand the difference. So as we know, this sort of legislation is impacting the sex-based rights of women and girls, gays, lesbians and bisexual people. It also harms culturally and linguistically diverse communities who have disproportionately impacted. Over the next few slides, I'll go into each of these points. There are eight main areas of concern that WRNA have focused on. And there's an overview here, there are the eight. We have sex self-ID, allowing minors to transition, redefining sex and sexuality, encouraging sexual or exploitation of women, encouraging the reproductive exploitation of women, restricting freedoms of expression, infringing the rights of government employees and their impacts on government workplaces. So first, the Equality Bill seeks to bring New South Wales into line with the other states and territories of Australia by introducing sex self-identification, hence removing the requirement for medical interventions before permission to change sex descriptor on your birth certificate. The second issue of the bill that's related is that the sex descriptor identifier is not limited to changing from sex, changing your sex from male to female or vice versa. But there is a third option where you can indicate any other descriptor of sex. With the examples in law, including on the bill, agender, genderqueer, non-binary. So considering the nonsensical nature of this, we can have a cat gender, we can have a pup gender, we can have whatever we like in New South Wales. This is removing the binary nature of sex, of sex from law in New South Wales. The third point of alarm, for women and girls is that the bill seeks to amend New South Wales laws to delete all offences relating to prostitution. This includes the crime of living on the earnings of prostitution, causing or inducing, or inducing prostitution or coercing a sex worker to give up their earnings. Other offences cover advertising, misuse, venue, misuse venues and solicitation. They're all gone. These changes would place New South Wales in breach of Article 6 of CEDAW. Sorry, parties shall take all appropriate measures, including legislation to suppress all forms of traffic in women and exploitation of prostitution of women. And the fourth alarm 
that's raised because of this bill will make legal engaging in commercial surrogacy outside New South Wales, make it legal and empowering the courts to issue parental orders to intending parents of children born from these arrangements. So thinking about the Greek surrogacy scandal. The fifth alarm rate relates to the bill seemingly removing the discrimination protection for people on the basis of homosexuality and replacing it with sexuality. So the definition homosexual means male or female homosexual is to be replaced with a definition of sexuality that includes homosexual, bisexual and asexual, which is not a sexuality. This definition does not include heterosexuality. The sixth and seventh issues curb freedom of expression. The bill would criminalize outing somebody's sexual orientation or gender identity or sex worker status. Yes, the bill introduces protections for sex workers as an occupation. No other occupation is protected in this way. The bill introduces criminal personal violence for outing someone's gender history. This would apply to online communication such as Twitter or Facebook making it a criminal offence to correctly refer to a male person as a man or a female person as a woman on social media. The bill also expands restrictions on flags, banners and other political expression. So I think that our definition of woman t-shirts would be banned. It could criminalise a person whose partner has told them they are transgender and who wants to discuss this development with a trusted friend, relative or counsellor. Seventh concern, the bill seeks to make amendments to a number of acts to allow transgender interse and intersex people to select the sex of a person carrying out a body search. It's compelling women to have to search a man who thinks he's a woman. No consideration for her rights and in her employment. The law currently states that all searches on prisoners must be conducted by a person of the same sex. This bill will amend that provision to allow a person who says they are a transgender to select the sex of an officer who strip searches them. The transgender person doesn't need to have altered their sex descriptor or fulfill any other requirements. They can just simply assert at that point that they seek to live as a member of the opposite sex and will then have the right to be treated as such and compel a female police officer to search them. Finally, as if that's not enough, the bill seeks to amend the Government Sector Employment Act by inserting diversity targets and quotas for all New South Wales public sector agencies. There is no need for targets relating to the sexual orientation of employees and there is certainly no need for affirmative action policies for males who say that they are females. The bill also seeks to make changes to the current eligible person category of identified jobs for people who belong to a particular group by adding intersex and transgender people as categories. This change would mean that there would potentially be roles in the public service in New South Wales only open to transgender people. One thing is clear 
from people who have been in discussion with different governmental representatives in New South Wales, all MPs across the aisle have a lack of understanding of foundational issues related to the proposed legal changes, such as the differences between LGB and TQ+, and the unpopularity of sex self-ID internationally. This is a screenshot from our respectoursex.org website. Women's Rights Network Australia are trying to help MPs have a greater understanding of the issues by publishing information on our website, respectoursex.org, and as this image shows, tooling people up to raise the issue directly by asking for a meeting with their MP. WRNA are also running social media campaigns on each misunderstood issue over the next 10 or so weeks. We need you all to please share these messages everywhere when you see them. You can help by contacting your MP and asking for a meeting to explain how significant these issues are. That will help school New South Wales Labor about the deep impacts these proposed laws will have. If you can't get a meeting, tell the receptionist, email again, ring again. I only got a meeting with my local rep after five weeks of harassing his local and ministerial officers. And at that meeting, it was a, such a very, it was such a productive one hour of communicating the very big concerns of LGB and women's rights. He did not know. He just did not know, and he's a minister in New South Wales. So when we think about the MP lobbying, this is the, the graph as to the distribution of our of our members in the local in the lower house. We had a change of government last year. Up until then, Alex Greenwich did have balance of power, but there are now eleven independents on the crossbench. This means that New South Wales Labor do not generally rely on his support. We are raising the concerns with all members of both houses. However, we need New South Wales Labor to understand the dangers associated with legislating any aspects of these bills, i.e. both the Equality Bill and the Conversion Bill, because they may sever these bills and adopt individual policies under their own bills. Most likely, this will be potentially the case with sex self-ID. Labor commit, committed to the New South Wales election last year of banning LGBTQI conversion practice. So we need to explain gay conversion is, is for banning, but not gender identity conversion. WRNA would support a gay conversion ban, obviously, but the inclusion of gender identity is a modern day gay conversion. We need to explain this. It's a heteronormative conversion of gender non-conforming individuals who would most likely grow up to be gay or lesbian if left alone. We need New South Wales Labor to understand this in the broader context around poor evidence and outcomes of gender affirming care, especially in relation to minors. So to raise awareness and give people the tools to lobby their local reps in New South Wales Parliament, Women's Rights Network Australia have an online information webinar this week on Thursday night, 5th of October at 8pm just for a short 50 minutes. We're encouraging everyone to register to learn about the bill and, and be given tools and, and confidence to raise the issues themselves. One initiative from the info session will be to provide attendees with postcards to post, post to the Attorney General 
with the aim to clearly remind the Attorney General of New South Wales the sex-based rights of women. We have, oops, I'll just show you, on the back of that card, you may not be able to read it, where it says, women and children need New South Wales parliamentarians to stand up for them and protect their sex-based rights. Sex self-ID threatens the sex-based human rights of women and children in New South Wales and discriminates them based on sex. Sex self-ID creates a legal fiction where sex doesn't matter and ignores safeguarding principles. Sex self-ID insensitizes gender identity fraud, de defend our biological reality, reality that our bodies make us vulnerable. Women and children cannot identify out of bodily vulnerability. It is based on our sex. Please defend our sex-based rights in law. So we have our website that is growing in content all the time. We have blogs about these various issues. We have a sex self-ID quiz. We have the names and addresses of all representatives in both houses of parliament. The blogs provide deep dives into the issues and we're constantly updating the website with more info and tools. So thank you for having us this evening. For further information, please do go to our website. We also have our home home website at wrnaustralia.au. lgbaalliance.org.au have incredible material on their website, as does Afora. And um, here is a slide to leave you with that you can scan the registration form here to attend our seminar on Thursday night or share it as you will. Thank you very much.